his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we're going to go back in prime time with a local author who's written a new book about when TV first went color. We also have the details of a music Food and Fun Day coming to City View Park in Hazleton, and it's all for a good cause. Getting your car fit check is coming to Wilkes-Barre. We'll have the details on that. Eckley Miners Village presents Patchtown Days. They're back, and we have your invitation. Coming up this week, our area marks the 50th anniversary of Hurricane Agnes and the devastation it caused in the Wyoming Valley. There will be a screening of a new 90-minute documentary film at the FM Kirby Center. And to start us off, we're going to hear about a partnership between the Times Leader newspaper and WBRE-WYOU-TV. They are collaborating on a series of daily stories by each outlet this week. Andrew Wyatt, Vice President and General Manager of WBRE-WYOU, and Times Leader Media Group publisher Carrie Miscavige have the details. Carrie's here from the Times Leader, and we have Andy Wyatt from WBREWIOU. You are partnering together to talk about the 50th anniversary of the Agnes Flood. And Carrie, I'm going to start with you. How did this all come about? That's a great question, Paula. Um, Historically, a partnership like this is not always done. So uh, when I met Andy, when he came to the market a couple of years ago, we just knew that we mutually respected each other's platform and media, and we kept talking on a collaboration. And this came up as the idea that we would work together on the Agnes anniversary. And uh, that's how it got started. Andy, it must be something especially for you because you may not have had as much of a background on it coming from somewhere else to be here. So what's your impression of all this? Wow. You know what? I tell you, I've been surprised at just how much it impacted the community. People still talk. You know, that's one of the common things I have found that everybody who went through that has. And I hear so many people talking about, yeah, you weren't here through the flood. And and the way our building in particular was impacted, the, the floodwaters almost reached the second floor of our building. So the people at the TV station are, you know, constantly aware and always talking about it. Fortunately for me, I didn't have to ever go through anything like that personally, but I sure do understand the impact it made on the community. Yes, you're right, because you're right in where everything came in. And again, from not having been there, you must be getting, because I know a lot of the folks that were there in the flood are, some of them are still working. So what kind of feedback are you getting from folks when they're going through this old footage? You know, it brings back memories. I guess, you know, we, we kind of do this about every five or 10 years where we look back, we relook at it. But what we did with this footage is we sent it out. We found a few extra reels, sent it and had it digitally remastered. So it's now in high definition and um, it looks amazing for, you know, 50 year old film. And there's, there are, there's definitely some emotion when people look through this stuff. That's for sure. 
Carrie, how about in the Times Leader family? You must have, again, a lot of people who maybe not right there today, but they're getting back to you now saying, Carrie, I remember and I was there. What kind of an impact has that had on your building? There's a lot of lot of memories and from people that still work here at the Times Leader with our executive editor, editor Joe Soprano. Uh, his home was affected by the flood when he was a child, and, and he tells uh, not only the WBRE news station his story, sharing it with us as well in the newspaper, and it's just uh, it's very emotional and uh, you understand what some of these folks went through during that time frame. And as far as the Times Leader, we also were in downtown and were affected by the floodwaters. And uh, we have a, a great recap from one of our good friends who was in the building at that time. And just the, 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 re, the recapture of that story of, of what it looked like and and how it affected people and how it affected our newsprint inventory, you know, really tells an interesting tale of of the businesses that were also affected by the flood. And it also must give both of you a different perspective of 50 years ago coverage as in today's coverage of events like this, because we still have these major flood events that, that have happened. So, how are you going to be able to translate all of this and how is it going to work? We've got TV, we've got print. How does that all come together? It's really amazing because we've got, you know, newspapers that are historically fantastic at writing long articles that go deep into detail. And um, then you got TV that is these little two minute clips that are a minute and a half long clips of a story uh, with motion and video. And you know, bringing those two together can really tell the story. So I'm excited that we're going to be able to show a story on TV where we recapped what happened. And then that same day or the day before or after, at least, you can read the same story from a different perspective from a newspaper writer about the same kind of thing. And that's going to be really, it'll be a really neat collaboration for our viewers and readers. Carrie, from your perspective, again, print It's going to come together now with TV. And how is all this going to work? As as Andy said, it's going to happen TV, newspaper. So we're actually going to be seeing within hours of each other the difference in the coverage. Yes, absolutely. Starting on Sunday is when all of this starts to happen. You'll see an article in the Times Leader on Sunday about a particular story, and then you'll be also be able to watch the, the news channel on WBRE and WYOU and see a, a different take on that story, and that's what it's going to be like throughout the week. And both of our websites are going to be able to, you're going to be able to go back and forth between our website and WBRE and WYOU's. Uh, website to see the different coverage and there's going to be archival stories there and footage and and hours of 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 things that you can just peruse and and browse and and learn about the historic flood and I think it's going to be really interesting for folks who uh, didn't experience it. And the other thing we should also mention is besides all of these daily coverage items. There's also going to be something. And Andy, you're going to be having a one hour special. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, We've taken that footage that we had digitally remastered and we've got, we've brought in some people to help narrate it. We've got multiple different stories of different, you know, things that have happened. We've used the help of the Times leader reporters to help put this together. And it's going to be really neat. And it's going to be seen in a way that no one's ever seen before because the footage really is pretty amazing quality for 50-year-old film. And Carrie, you're also going to counter with a print version. We are on June 19th. We will have a full special publication dedicated to uh, not only some of the old photos, but some of the new stories that we have uncovered that have not been told before. So um, we really expect that our, our readers and also the viewers of WYOU and WBRE will be uh, excited to to pick that up on June 19th. Well, it sounds like it's a wonderful collaboration between the two of you and Andy. I should mention that for your viewers They can tune in to WYOU and WBRE and find out exactly when those are going to be shown. 
That's right. We're gonna we'll we'll air those multiple times. But go to pahomepage.com, and if you click on on the news tab in the upper left, uh, you'll see Agnes at fifty, and it's got links back to the Times Leader website. We'll be posting a little video clips every day as we go through this, so you can see in snackable size bits of that footage, and then you'll have all the information on when to watch the specials. And Carrie, your website for the Times Leader? Our website is timesleader.com slash Agnes. And on that site, we have all the archival uh, stories that we've pulled in and that will be updated with all our new stories. And of course, links back, uh, as Andy said, to WBRE and WYOU, um, to pahomepage.com to highlight all of what they have as well. So just a, a great uh, back and forth area where people can enjoy all of that content. And have I left anything out that either one of you would like to make sure that we mention to our listeners? I'm just glad that Carrie and I came together. I think this will be really important for the community. It'll bring back some happy memories, but obviously a lot of very sad memories for people too. But, um, you know, when people come together and they rebound after something like this, um, I think it says a lot for the people of this area. Yeah, I agree with Andy. Uh, it shows the resilience of this area. And we know this about this community, that uh, a valley with a heart that, that cares so much about helping other people, but also helping people get through tough times, especially uh, like the flood. Historically, there's been nothing like that in this this area. So a lot of emotions, a lot of a lot of struggle during that time. And Hopefully today when, when people read and see the, the new footage, the new content, they really, they really can look back and see how people help each other. And what a way to start a conversation with the younger people in this area. Wow, that was my house? Wow. Yeah, um, the younger folks have no idea what their parents and their grandparents uh, and great-grandparents went through during that time. So this will bring it to a a reality for them for sure. The series begins this Sunday on both WBRE, WYLU and in the Times Leader. Also on Sunday, June 19th, the Times Leader publishing a special section on Hurricane Agnes and on WYOU Monday the 20th and Thursday the 23rd. Their special runs from 7 to 8 p.m. on WBRE on Friday, June 24th from 10 to 11 p.m. Saturday the 25th, noon to 1 and Sunday the 26th, 11 a.m. to noon. And that's not all. Coming up this week, there will be a 90-minute documentary film, Agnes, being screened at the FM Kirby Center. Alan Stout has details on that. We have a documentary film. It's titled Agnes. It was made to commemorate and observe the 50th anniversary of the Agnes Flood of 1972, which, um, as we all know, really decimated large portions of the Wyoming Valley. Kingston, Forty Fort, Plymouth, Edwardsville, Wilkes-Barre, of course, West Wyoming, Wyoming, Swartzville. And so all these communities were impacted tremendously by this natural disaster, which at the time the president of the United States referred to as the worst natural disaster in the history of America. And so it's something that, you know, we still talk about here in the, in northeastern Pennsylvania often. So we did a documentary to commemorate that, and it will premiere at the FM Kirby Center on June 23rd, and there will be two additional showings on June 29th. The 23rd is actually on 50 years to the day that the levees broke and that the valley was flooded. So it's the 50th anniversary of the flood. And then the other two showings um, also fall within the anniversary week of the flood because everything was pretty chaotic for that entire week, as you could imagine. And you are serving as the executive producer, but not only that, you wrote this and you're narrating it. How did that come about in your life? Once we decided that we were we had the right people on the team to make the movie, which was Tim Novotny, who was an extremely talented film editor and director, and Bob Savakinas, who co-directed the film, and both of those gentlemen had made other films uh, that I'm sure some folks have seen here in northeastern Pennsylvania. They did documentaries on Rocky Glen and Hanson's Park and Angela Park. Some of them they worked on individually, some of them they worked on together, but they work as a team on a lot of their projects. And Tony Bro 
Brooks from the Wilkes-Barre Preservation Society is our historical consultant. Tony and I had been working on this project for quite a while. And two years ago, once Bob and Tim came on board and we knew that we had filmmakers who knew how to make a movie, Tim said, well, you're going to write it, right? <laughs> because I, uh, you know, I obviously wrote for the newspaper for 18 years. I was a columnist and a reporter and an editor and a features writer. And since I was the one that sort of, you know, got the project started, uh, that fell on my shoulders and I was happy to do it. It was a really interesting process. And, and Tim guided me through that process. You know, I didn't have to sit down in one day and write the movie or in one week. We, we did it in sections. And so the first section was the storm coming up the coast. And then the second section was the sandbaggers trying to save the valley. And then the third section was the boat rescues. And so you can put it together. That's how that fell on my shoulders. And obviously, I've also been on the radio locally for more than 20 years. Pretty comfortable in front of the microphone. And since I wrote the film and pulled together much of the material for the film, the, the videos and the photos, and kind of had an idea of how it should flow, I narrated it as well. We were able to run the whole project through the Wilkes-Barre Preservation Society, which is a 501c3, which actually helped tremendously with the fundraising for the film because people could support this film and have it be a tax-deductible donation. And so everybody had an important role. One of the things, as you were talking there, that's fascinating is the interviews, the photographs, the video, the radio and TV broadcast. Where did you get all that? You also mentioned that you have things that haven't ever been seen. There were about five books on Agnes that were published in late 72, early 73, you know, after the flood. And a lot of people have them still up in their attics. A couple of them were real hardcover books, almost like a yearbook style book. I remember looking through some of them when I was a kid and it was about 12 years ago, I decided I wanted to acquire them just for my own kids. You know, I remember Agnes, obviously I was a young boy at the time. I remember the evacuation and I remember the destruction and I have some memories of that. So I acquired the books and that's kind of where I started thinking about the documentary because there were great pictures in all the books. All the local TV stations at some point had done a retrospective on Agnes. Um, WBRE did one in 92, WNEP did one in 82, 10 years later. WVIA did a one in 97, 25 years later. I acquired all of those. Uh, they were they were kind enough to, to give them to us and basically say, we told them what we were thinking of doing at the time. So everybody gave us all the footage that they had and said, yeah, use it. All they, all they said was give us a film credit at the end and thank us. And, and so now all of a sudden we've got these books hundreds and hundreds of amazing photos to choose from. We've got all the video from all the local TV stations. We had um, newspaper headlines, people who were giving us newspapers from 1972. And so you could see attempt to do something special that it really hadn't ever been done before. And then I guess the real sort of crown jewel for us for the film was how is Agnes covered nationally? If it's the worst national disaster in the history of, of the United States, it was, must have been a top story. And so what we did was we reached out to the networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, and we worked with their archivists, and we acquired the news broadcasts from those days. No one's ever seen that footage before. Wow. And we acquired it. If you were curious, wow, did, did Walter Cronkite open the 630 News on June 23rd, 1972, talking about Wilkes-Barre? Well... Yes, he did. Wow. He will see it in our film. There was also a record put out by WARM Radio. Yes, that was called uh, River on a Rampage. Yes. And we have some clips of that in the film as well. We use some of the audio of some of the interviews that were done. There's a helicopter pilot on the album flying over Myers High School. Yes. In Wilkes-Barre. Yes. And he's describing what it looks like. That you know, The football field looks like a giant swimming pool. So that's on the album. What we did was we took that sound clip from the album and married it to photos that were taken of Myers over overhead shots from airplanes and helicopters so that it marries perfectly with the narration. So you have a helicopter pilot in 1972 describing what he's seeing combined with videos and pictures of exactly what he's seeing. That's what the goal was when you can pull all the resources together to make it into a documentary. And this is 90 minutes. And we mentioned in the very beginning that there's going to be a showing on the 23rd. 
But then there's now going to be one on the 29th. That was important to us. We wanted to mirror the film on the anniversary. You know, some folks said, why? Why are you doing it on Friday? Why are you doing it on Thursday the 23rd? Thursday the 23rd is the anniversary of the flood. That is when the levees broke in 44 in South Wilkesbury. That's when 80,000 people were evacuated. That's the definitive day in the history of the Wyoming Valley. And so that's the day that we're going to premiere the film. Ironically enough, there is video in the film of the FM Kirby Center underwater. But what? what happened, Paula, was the it's show sold, sold out. out in three days. <laughs> yes. yeah, sold out in just a couple of days. And so we, we called the Kirby and they were interested in maybe doing some more as well. And so we were able to get a date in that same week. So June 29th, there's a one o'clock showing and also a 7.30 showing. And that's the anniversary week of the flood as well. I mean, a matter of fact, a lot of the pictures that you're going to see in the film it's particularly in the middle of the film when people went back to their homes for the first time, we're right around the 29th. I'm sure a lot of those pictures were taken on June 29th. So once again, Alan, do you have the details on those that you can share with us right now? Absolutely. There are still tickets available. Like I said, the 2030 sold out. The 20, you know, we thought that the, the one o'clock show would be ideal for retirees and stay at home parents who might want their children to see this film. We, we want to take this film out to schools in the fall. The heroes, I, I tell everybody this, Paula, the, the star of the movie is the flood. It's the, it's the Susquehanna River. It was the big bad monster. But the heroes of the movie are the people. It's a, it's an uplifting film. It's not a downer. You might it, you will walk out of there feeling, I think, hopefully, very proud of our grandparents and our parents and how they fought to to rebuild this community. And, and then the seven thirty show will be over at nine o'clock. And so, even though it's a week a work night, it's not a late night. Tickets are ten dollars. They're on sale at the Kirby Box Office or by calling the Kirby Box Office at five seven zero eight two six one one zero zero. Helen Stout with the details of the new 90-minute documentary film Agnes to be screened at the FM Kirby Center. Again, the first showings already sold out, but there are still tickets available to the two showings on June 29th. You can find out more by contacting the FM Kirby Center in Wilkesbury. Don't go away. When we come back, we're celebrating Patchtown Days and a car fit check coming to Wilkesbury. That's all next on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Our area rich in many different types of history. One of those will be celebrated next weekend. Patchtown Days are back at Eckley Miners Village. Bodie Morin joins us. He is the site administrator at Eckley Miners Village, and he has your invitation to take you back in time with Patchtown Days. Next weekend, on June 18th and 19th, we're going to return Patchtown Days to Eckley Miners Village. So Patchtown Days is our annual celebration of the lives of, of people that lived and celebrated and enjoyed life um, and worked very hard in, uh, in, in Pennsylvania's Patchtown, Dampshite Patchtown. So Eckley is in Luzerne County, three miles south of Freeland, seven miles east of Hazelton. We're a, a restored and interpreted uh, coal patch town dating back to the 1850s. So our, um, our annual event has all of our interpreted buildings opened with docents inside to teach you a little bit about how people used to live. Um, we also have a big uh, music uh, program scheduled for this year to sort of celebrate the musical traditions in, uh, in Appalachia and in, in Pennsylvania. Um, we've got partners with the Walk-In Art Center and the Pennsylvania Folk Art Alliance, so we will have um, traditional artists working and demonstrating their craft. Um, we're also working with the Carbon Chamber and Economic Development Corporation uh, to help promote and um, get the word out about our event. So that's going to be a, um, a full-day event from 10 to 5 on Saturday and Sunday, June 18th and 19th. Um, the admission is 10, 9, and 8 for adults, seniors, and kids, um, and that gets you full access to the site. Um, we'll also have food vendors there. And like I said, there'll be music. The, the museum store will be open. Um, it'll just be a fun day. And when they're visiting Eckley, again, you're talking about the fact that it is, in case anybody has never been there before, it is an actual village and you actually have people still living there. Yes, Eckley is, has existed as a rental village since 1854. And we have always had people living there um, in the village. So we have a few of the houses that are still still being lived in. So we're continuing that 
the tradition. We're continuing the history of uh, what the village was built for, uh, to provide houses for, for people that live and work in the area. And when we're talking about that, Bodhi, as far as people, again, are concerned, they may not know a lot about Eckley, but you're also going to be able to tour a lot of the village. You're going to be able to take part in the uh, the programs that are going on. What kind of things can people expect when they get there? Things from yesterday or is it kind of updated to today? Well, the village itself, it's, it's interpreted through its history. So all of our houses that are, have been restored and filled with artifacts and exhibits highlight people that lived there in the 1860s, the 1870s, the 1880s, and the 1940s. So if people come to visit, they'll be able to go into the houses and we'll have docents inside that can sort of talk a little bit about what life was like at that particular era. Um, we'll also have two churches open, the Catholic Church, which was the church for the miners who primarily came from Catholic countries. And the Episcopal Church, which was the church of the mine owners and mine managers, who primarily came from Protestant countries, um, will also have the company store open. So it'll be you'll get a full experience of the village, which you might you know an experience that you might not get on a normal day because we don't have all the villages all the village uh, buildings open. Uh, but there will be people, like I said, the docents there to talk a little bit about the history and the way people live. Um, but also because Patch Town days, we're going to have music going on all the time. So we're going to have a, a, a stage and a tent set up. Down by the company store, we'll have strolling musicians as well. And then we'll have artists and other vendors sort of spread out throughout the village. Well, once again, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. You issue the invitation so everybody can enjoy Patchtown Days. Well, come on out. It's June 18th and 19th, Eckley Miners Village in Luzerne County. Uh, 10 o'clock to 5 o'clock each day. And the price is 10, 9, and 8. Bodie Morin, site administrator at Eckley Miners Village, with your invitation to Patchtown Days. Coming up in Wilkesbury this week, there will be a car fit check. You've never heard of that? Many people haven't. So, Wilkesbury Health Educator David Yonkai is here. He's going to tell us all about it as well as where and when it's happening. CarFit is a program for seniors. It's an educational program that offers older adults the opportunity to check how well their personal vehicles fit them. The CarFit program uh, is going to be one of those things that the Wilkesbury Health Department does as a service to the community through the Safe and Healthy Communities Grant. So it's called CarFit, how to fit seniors into a car that's going to be safe for them. Now, how is that going to work? Well, basically, um, there is going to be training from the Geisinger Injury Coordination staff, as well as the two health educators, myself and Matt Engel. And that event is going to be June 17th from 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Assembly of God Church parking lot at 424 Stanton Street in Wilkesbury. How the program will work is that the individual will bring the car up to the parking lot and the car will, in effect, be inspected by the uh, trainers and they will offer tips as to how a car could be improved for driver safety. And that would increase their mobility in the community. For older drivers, they could improve their safety skills by ensuring that their cars are properly adjusted for them. Because a lot of times when you're driving, you know, you might see somebody who might be lower in the seat than they need to be, or else you might see a mirror that's askew. So this will help a driver, a senior driver, have a proper fit for a car. I've never heard of that before. I think that's a wonderful idea. Well, this is a national program, and I know that at one point, AARP was offering a discount to senior drivers if they did take the CarFit course. I don't know if that is still in effect due to the pandemic. Uh, The CarFit has been uh, available for a while. The CarFit program was postponed due due to the pandemic. Now that the pandemic is over... Um, people do not have as many safety concerns, you know, with uh, transmittable diseases. So they are, they're going to be able to just kind of come and, you know, get the car inspected. So when they come in and they pull up, they're going to actually look at the way that they're seated in the vehicle and then be able to go from there? 
Well, they're going to actually be able to look and see exactly what the car might need. You may come up to the parking space and there may not be anything wrong with the car. But, you know, the advice will be given in terms of, you know, how they could actually get their car to be safer. Uh, and again, it's a whole big training regimen that, uh, you know, the trainers have gone through and they'd be able to get tips on how to make their car safe or safer. All right. And once again, when and where is it happening? Okay. It is going to be Friday, June 17th from 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Assembly of God Church parking lot, 424 Stanton Street in Wilkesbury. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the event was previously scheduled in September of 2021 due to COVID, but now it's available. And if anybody is interested in uh, making a reservation, all right, and again, let me add that a car check, a car fit check takes approximately like 20 minutes to complete and uh, reservations are being taken for the event. And for a booking, you can call the Wilkesbury Health Department representative at 570-208-4287, 570-208-4287 or 570-208-4653, 570-208-4653. That car fit check coming this Friday. Contact the Wilkes-Barre Health Department for information. Don't go away. Fun at City View Park in Hazleton for a good cause and a good read from a local author on Special Edition. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Listen up, I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Next on Special Edition, we're going to find out about the D'Angelo family and how they're bringing music, food, and fun to City View Park in Hazleton July 2nd, and it's all to benefit local good causes. Paul D'Angelo is here with the details. Paul D'Angelo, it is so nice to have you here, and you're going to get us all excited about the second, second annual Independence Day charity event Paul, give us the background. How did you get involved in this? Well, a number of years ago, um, me and my family started talking about doing more than just donating money of our own to help different groups around the area. And we said, look, uh, we, we have an opportunity here as a family that we can pull together and we can not only put our dollars forward, but we can also help raise dollars and really make sizable contributions to help various groups. And it just kind of grew from there. We talked about it. Uh, we're a very busy family. We've got a lot going on. But this is one of the most important things we all do every year. And we look forward to it. And we're excited about this year. Well, now that everybody's heard, when is it and where is it? The event is July 2nd, Saturday at City View Park in Hazleton at 700 Poplar Street. Uh, we start out in the morning with registration for a, a race. It's a, a walk run. Uh, there's a 10K run, a 5K fun uh, walk run, and then a one mile family walk. And then the event, uh, the race starts at 8.30. That's when we get things going. Let's go back a little bit now. You mentioned your family's involved in this. 
How do you do that? Get a whole family involved to back something. And we want everybody to know there's a lot of entertainment coming up, too. But let's talk about the family aspect of it. Yeah, that's uh, it really wasn't that difficult because, you know, growing up in myself in the, in the Hazleton area, I was involved with a lot of local youth sports groups that I participated in and that my kids did. And for us, we've seen the benefit that it was to us later on in life in helping us with, you know, relationships that we had built, friendships that we still have to this day and just the networking and overall help that it was to us in in helping us in life in general. And when we think now about the future being the kids, and the needs of the children coming up that are going to be the future leaders of our area. Uh, it's not tough to, to get the family to get excited about doing something like this. Kudos to you, because again, especially when you're dealing with family, sometimes everybody can go in different directions. But here you are all getting together for the second annual Independence Day event, and it is a charity event. So what charities are being helped by your event? Last year, we had a very successful year. We certainly would like to thank all the sponsors and folks who participated and uh, hope that all those folks come out and surely you're looking for a lot more uh, people to join us because it's really a fun day. And when you think about going out and having a fun day at the park and listening to music and food trucks and all sorts of entertainment events going on, you think about doing that just for the fact of doing it for fun. But on top of it, all these funds are going to raise money to help these groups. Last year, we raised combined between what our family matched in dollars and what we raised the day of the event, uh, over $100,000 that we were able to donate back to various youth sports groups, uh, everything from Hazleton Valley, McAdoo Little Leagues. I think there was eight or nine different groups that we made donations to that were sizable. We donated to Curing Kids Cancer. So there's some research that's going to have some new uh, methodologies to help kids with cancer. And then we worked with autism children in the area. We, we did a, a whole backpack program in, in uh, three or four of the different school districts around the area. And we want to expand that further this year. So we're excited to help all the kids healthy, those who have some uh, needs and, and uh, And last year we were able to do that, and we're looking forward to doing more of that following this year's event. Well, of course, we're hoping that you're going to have more folks out there. And one of the things, if they're not, if even if they just want to go and watch a run walk, the youth race and and the family walk, but you also have an incredible lineup of talent. Yeah, this year we were fortunate to be able to get Jimmy Leahy, the guitar player from Sticks, to be out uh, for the day with us. He'll be there on hand playing uh, with the band. Of course, we get to hear plenty of Sticks music that day. And I'm sure he'll be on hand to possibly sign autographs and get some pictures as well. We have our car and truck family collects cars and has a truck display that's quite incredible. Uh, We'll have some professional athletes on hand signing autographs. We'll have uh, an auction with, with a lot of autographed memorabilia items that people can bid on and potentially win, as well as uh, plenty of events for the kids uh, to be involved with. And, and then we, we can't have an event where everybody's out having fun without food and drinks. So there'll be plenty of food trucks on hand. The Benny Band. That's amazing. We are going to hear a lot of Sticks music. And thank you for that, Paul, because they're one of my favorites. Awesome. Awesome. I, well, I'll be there. So I'll be there from early. So hopefully, Paula, you make it out for the event as well. Well, I would love to do that. Now, I did notice about registration. The registration is for some of the events that you have coming up. Can you explain that? Yes. The registration is for the race. So the race is going to happen early. You know, registration will start 730 in the morning. And the first race, the 10K, will go off at 830. So if you're going to be doing that, we would appreciate if you would pre-register. But if you don't pre-register, we will have on-site registration early in the morning starting uh, so you can register right on site. And, and then uh, the same registration will apply for the 5K and, and the walks as well. But for the other events, there's no registration required. Just show up and join the festivities, uh, participate in uh, tricky trays or auction 
or any other items that are happening, you know, throughout the day there, there's no need for anyone to register, just show up. And what about a cost? Is there a cost to get into the event? No, no cost to get into the event. Throughout the area of the event, we'll have various places where we'll be asking for donations. So, you know, if folks will be kind enough to donate money, but we have no no requirement. If you want to just show up and enjoy the entertainment, that's quite all right with us. Well, Paul, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you and you issued the invitation Saturday, July 2nd, where, when, why it's all yours. We would love to have everyone come out and participate and join us for what's going to be an incredible event July 2nd at the City View Park in Hazleton at 700 Poplar Street. It is our second annual Independence Day charity event presented by the Paul and Lisa D'Angelo Family Foundation. The reason why is let's make a difference in in the lives of of our future leaders and have some fun doing it. All right. Anything that we've left out, Paul, that you would like to make sure our listeners know? I'm so happy to be involved and able to help everyone in the community, as well as I appreciate your help in getting the word out to folks in the area, because it's really important that we have a great turnout and a great event this year. And I know you told me in the very beginning before we started to chat that there was a little bit of problem with the weather last year, but I have it on good authority. Won't happen this year. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you, Paula. And last year also, we were dealing with still some complexities from the pandemic that was going on. And this year, fortunately, that seems to be behind us for the most part. And with your good graces, Paula, we're going to have a beautiful day. Well, don't hold me to it, but I'm going to give up my best shot. Thank you. It's all happening July 2nd at City View Park in Hazleton. Later that afternoon, it'll also be the site of the Hazleton Independence Day fireworks celebration. Now, local author Tom Shabilla and his book, Primetime, takes us back to when TV first went color. Tom, welcome. Nice to have oh, you thank here. Thank you very, very much. And it's exciting to get to talk to an author because I always like to know where you came up with the idea. But first of all, what's beef stew have to do with this? <laughs> so it was a nickname that I've used for quite a while. And I thought, you know what, if, if I put it on the book, if it sells one or two more books, it's worth it. So, uh, so we're going to go with it. I certainly get a lot of questions about that. It helps the book stick out. So well, we're going with it. Well, <laughs> I, I, when I saw the cover, I had to ask because, of course, Tom <laughs> Beef Stew, because, exactly. I dream, out. <laughs> because I Dream of Jeannie is on the cover. Tell yes. us about this primetime 1966-67. So primetime 1966-67 is the first season where all three major television networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, every show in primetime was in color that season. So CBS, uh, the season before, about 50% of its programming was still in black and white. Um, and only this previous season, only four shows that were greenlit. Uh, which was a show Convoy, which was you know, later canceled or canceled before 1966. I Dream of Jeannie, Lost in Space, and F Troop uh, were were greenlit, and they were black and white shows. But again, this is the uh, the first season where every show made that switch to color. Anything that was in black and white before was either canceled, uh, went off the air, or made the jump. How did you decide that this was what you were going to focus on? So I've always had an obsession with that era, 1966 specifically. And my original idea was talking about the Beatles, uh, James Bond, and Batman. So the three Bs of 1966. And I started doing some research, and that turned out to be a blog. So I didn't really want to step on anybody's toes. And I realized that a James Bond film wasn't released that year. And I shift some gears and came across that uh, fact that it was the first season that everything was in color. So I started writing about it. I started writing about uh, that era and I decided, you know what, this is a really good idea. I think this needs to be something. And I didn't know quite what it was. I didn't know if it was going to be a book, a magazine article, some other type of project. And uh, I happened to pitch the idea to uh, McFarland Books. I was at a, a, a horror movie convention, and uh, they loved the idea. Ran into the publisher, and they loved the idea, and, and they greenlit it, and w- I went with it. 
And the rest, as they say, is history. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And when we're talking about color TV, there are some of us, yes, raise my hand, that (laughs) do remember when all of that was just getting underway. So is there anything in the book that tells us about how many households in America were making the transition? Yes. Uh, Actually, before the 1966 television schedule came out, only about 9 to 10 percent of all American households had a color television. So really, the new medium was only for about 9, 10 percent of the population. Now, most of these comments did come about watching Batman. But uh, you did hear about people going to a friend's house, a neighbor's house, a relative's house, or uh, some bar or a restaurant that did have color TV to watch their favorite show. So oftentimes it was Batman. And then the number of color televisions sold went up about 9% every year subsequently. Number of color television sold versus black and white television sold color overtook in 1972, uh, actually. And you mentioned the fact that at the time, the big three networks were all doing this right around the same time. Was there another rather than another one that was kind of the trendsetter with all of this? ABC was certainly the first to go all color. NBC was the front runner early on, and they ran a lot of color programming before that. So it was a real slow process. And the book does take the reader through actually the invention of television and the invention of color uh, and how, you know, America really became wired for television, how, you know, the, the signal was received all throughout the country. Do take the, the reader through that and then jump into individual shows. And I think we should also let our listeners know that you are a local author. Yes, yes, I am. I am a local author. I'm a professor at Luzerne County Community College, and also I'm a commissioner in Plains Township. So when you're especially involved with college students, does this come up in any of your discussions? It must be fascinating. Yes, I teach public speaking, and one of the criteria for several of the speeches does happen to be, you know, some research and you have to um, find sources and uh, reliable sources. And this is something now I could absolutely talk about in, in depth where, you know, when I'm looking for information for a book, you know, I have to really make sure that that information is, comes from quality sources that I can trust it, that I'm uh, using it. But the information that I'm using uh, is reliable really meets the criteria of, of whatever I'm writing about. Was there an opportunity for you at any point in time during your research of the book and, and the writing of the book to actually get to talk to any of the people who were impacted at that time? Yes. One thing that I did want to do was when doing research, I wanted to learn what people were saying at the time. I found a lot of newspaper articles that wrote about several of the shows and things like that. So I wanted to really get a a snapshot of the time, not how somebody remembers it uh, and not how somebody, uh, maybe a story that they've told for the last 50, 55 years. However, some things I I did run into uh, areas where I couldn't really find much information. Uh, I did have an opportunity to talk to two of the cast members of Lost in Space. And uh, so I, I wanted to talk to them, obviously, about the transition to color. And uh, the one thing that they did remember was that, you know, in 1966, there was a lot, everything was pop art. Uh, pop art was seemed to be the new trend. Uh, and how, when the show transitioned from black and white to color, uh, that's really what they, the one thing that they, they really pushed for was uh, that everything looked uh, very pop art. And, and unfortunately, a lot of the actors that, that were around at that time are, are, are no longer with us. So, uh, so I, I thought it would be a really short book if I only relied on that. So I had to go with uh, source material from the time. And uh, I think that that made it a, a really interesting book. But again, what a way to introduce today's youth to where it all began as they're watching these things on their cell yeah. phone. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. And you know what? And, and these are shows that just have, have not gone away. Uh, Batman, I, I think, is one of those shows that 
Um, no matter how old you are, it, it's a show that you've you've seen in some capacity. Shows like I Dream of Jeannie, Beverly Hillbillies, just simply have not gone away. Well, look so at Batman. I, it became such a yeah. franchise now. Yes, Batman's a huge franchise and something that I think is, is often referred to in those movies. So, yeah, Batman is it's the first thing that I mentioned in the book. It was the first thing that I started writing about and then, you know, really started my inspiration for that. When I started hearing stories of people, like I said, traveling, uh, may not may not be far, but traveling to see Batman in color. It was a show that really was maybe one of the first shows that was, you know what, you have to watch this in color. Well, Tom, now where can we get the book in order to read it and in order to hear about all the fascinating changes from then and until now? So it is available at Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon, uh, creepyclassics.com, uh, and it's um, also McFarlane Books um, is my publisher, excellent publisher, and uh, you can purchase it through their website as well. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.